You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. James, this is our first episode of March. March Madness is here, and for football, that means free agency. What's your least favorite month, James? Because we just got out of my least favorite month. I'm very excited for it to be a nice full 30-plus day month in March. A normal-sized month, uh, a free agent-packed month. Yeah, I, I'm excited that March is here. The weather's certainly changing in Cincinnati right now. February might be the worst month. You don't have any major holidays like Thanksgiving or Christmas or Halloween. It's cold. It snowed about 52 inches in February, and you only have one football game. So uh, I think I'm with you. I think February might be the worst month. What gets me, for everybody out there that's you know paying rent, you pay full rent. You get two less days and it's not like you get paid for a full month, you know, unless you're salaried, I guess, then, then maybe your monthly salary would be the same, but you get paid less, you pay full rent. It's cold. It's dark. I guess the one good thing for February is the days are getting longer, faster, that the, the acceleration of daylight is quite strong in February, but that continues into March. So we're happy to be here in March. Let's talk about the Bengals, James. It's a mock draft Monday. We'll get there in segments two and three, but we're going to start inspired by the Bengals.com interview with CJ Uzama, who's back in Cincinnati rehabbing that Achilles injury. We're going to talk a lot about CJ Uzama, his contract, his value to the team. We're going to talk a little bit about Trey Hopkins because last we heard, James, he wasn't back in Cincinnati. Sounds like he is there now rehabbing with Joe Burrow and Uzama. It's really good news for Trey, right, that he's back and hopefully able to rehab with Joe Burrow and CJ Uzama. And Uzama's the tough one because as devastating as Joe Burrow's knee injury was, an Achilles is a different animal. And I I know it was in week two and, and, you know, he's had plenty of time now uh, to rehab. And I I think he plans on being in Cincinnati throughout this entire offseason. So he's not going anywhere uh, outside of a couple weddings, we, we talked to him right after the, the season. He said he had a wedding or two that he had to go to this offseason. But other than that, Uzama's going to be there at Paul Brown Stadium rehabbing. And it's it's interesting because when we do these, these offseason plans, I think there are two guys that come up as, well, if the Bengals want to move on or want to cut him and free up more space, C.J. Uzama's one of them. It's him in that $6.1 million cap hit that he has is certainly something that uh, – that some people talk about and look at and say, ah, he could be a cap casualty. And Giovanni Bernard's obviously the other one. And I think it is kind of revealing that a bank that Bengals.com has done multiple interviews now with CJ Uzama this offseason and kind of tips their their hand on where he's going, which is is probably nowhere. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. I never thought he was going anywhere. That's really why we haven't talked about it all that much, you know, but I think that it is worth talking about. Let's talk about the top nine or 10 cap hits on this Bengals team. The first one in 2021 is Trey Waynes. His contract goes up quite a bit this year in terms of base salary. He has a roster bonus tacked on there as well. So his 
cap hit goes up about $5 million this year. The second highest is Geno Atkins, who we're all expecting, I think at this point, to be cut. I would be very surprised if he's back. Third is DJ Reader, who has a similar escalation to Trey Wayne's this year. His cap hit goes up a little bit. Fourth, Tyler Boyd. Fifth, Joe Burrow. Sixth, Joe Mixon. And we're not going to talk about running back contracts today, but I'm just saying. Uh, Seventh, Bobby Hart, who we're expecting to be cut. Eighth, Trey Hopkins. Ninth, CJ Uzama. CJ Uzama has the ninth highest cap hit on this team. The year before he signed that extension, he was playing a lot of snaps for the Bengals. The first year of that extension in 2019, he wasn't even on the field for 50% of the Bengals' offensive snaps. And I know Tyler Eifert was still in Cincinnati at that point. And so there were tight ends competing for snaps, especially as a wide receiver. But you're paying him $6 million a year to be on the field less than 50% of the time. Obviously, he got hurt. And I think they had a plan to feature him in 2020. And it looks like he and Joe Burrow might have figured something out there early. But we don't know what would have happened. And regardless, I don't see them moving on from him. I think he's fantastic in the locker room. I think he's athletic enough. And I think that they really like him. But objectively speaking, you could look at this and say, if they cut him, they save $5 million against the cap. Can you spend that $5 million on a more impactful position? I think it's pretty easy to make a case for that, even if it's something the Bengals are probably not even close to entertaining. And that's the problem, right, with talking about this and and potentially entertaining it is because they they probably aren't, like you said. And it's I don't want to say it's a bummer because Uzama is a really good dude. He's great in the locker room. He's great to the media. I think having guys like that around a young team that are even keel and whether it's after a loss or after a win can can get guys up and keep morale up is that's important. It's just with the injury, there's no way he's going to be what he could have potentially been last year right away. Like we we worry about Burrow and how long it's going to take him coming off of an Achilles. It's just it's going to be really tough for Uzama to do that. Now he's going to be entering a, a contract year outside of, of Drew Sample. There's no one that's going to really threaten him for snaps. So he could be unless they draft Kyle Pitts or one of these other tight ends. You know, in the draft, I don't think they're going to go super heavy at tight end in free agency. Maybe they do. But and let's just say that, you know, Everett's been brought up. Gerald Everett, you've talked about him a couple times here on the podcast. You could take that five million dollar cap savings if you did move on from Uzama and go after a guy like that. Who's going to be better in 2021? Gerald Everett or CJ Uzama? I think that's that's a tough hill to battle for Uzama coming off of a torn Achilles. I will say this to Uzama's benefit, I guess. Leon Hall had two Achilles injuries, came off both of them great, same rehab. So if anybody's going to get these guys back to their former form, it's Nick Cosgray in Cincinnati. So you hope that's true. I also have to correct one thing. I said that Uzama wasn't even on the field for half of the Bengals' offensive snaps in 2019. I misread the number. It was actually 58%, so he was on the field For 58% of those snaps in 2019, the first year of his extension, he had 27 catches for 242 yards and two touchdowns. His pace in 2020, James, was much, much stronger. In just two games, he didn't even finish the second game, he had eight catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. So you extrapolate that over the course of a season, 
And those numbers are, are really respectable. I mean, that puts him on pace for like 64 catches for nearly 700 yards. And I mean, obviously eight touchdowns. You don't expect that pace to hold up. But a lot more productivity if you extrapolate from those two games. And honestly, really easy guy to root for. And so mm-hmm. I'm not like upset that he's going to be back in Cincinnati. I love CJ Uzama. He was a great interview when he came on this podcast two years ago. So I'm rooting for him. And I think all Bengals fans are too. And, you know, you, you hope he picks up where he left off in those two games in 2021. Coming up next, Mock Draft Monday. Getting into another Mock Draft Simulator. This is going to be the last one we do until after free agency. That means we're taking at least two weeks off here. And we'll spend these hours, these days, focusing on free agency until it gets here. Mock Draft Monday, coming up next. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. It's Mock Draft Monday. If you're feeling passionate about who's going to be the first wide receiver taken in the draft, maybe the first offensive lineman in Penny Sewell, you can bet it at Bet Online. They have NFL draft prop bets, NBA, college hoops, NHL, all in full swing. They even cover awards, TV shows, reality TV. Get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. All you got to do is go to betonline.ag, sign up today on your laptop or mobile device, and make sure you use promo code LOCKED ON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, betonline.ag, use promo code LOCKED ON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. It's Mock Draft Monday here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And since this is the last Mock Draft Monday, James, that we're going to do for a couple of weeks, free agency is right around the corner that will get all of our attention here very soon. We're going to go four rounds today. We did get some trade back offers on the clock at pick number five to go back to 15 or 16. To me, that's just generally a little bit farther back than I want to go. If the Bengals trade back, I hope they're trading back to like 7, 8, 12 at the latest, depending on what the return is. And Jamar Chase is here. And I think everybody listening to the podcast knows how I feel about Jamar Chase at this point. The picks before us, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Penny Sewell has been picked. For those of you listening that want us to talk about Penny Sewell, you think we're too hard on the skill player train. Sewell's gone. So the best player available is Jamar Chase, and I don't think it's particularly close. It's not. It isn't at all. You know, Zach Wilson off the board, so you got your quarterbacks off the board. Three in the top four picks, Sewell's off the board. This is really the dream for any Jamar Chase lovers because I, I don't see how he's not the highest player on the Bengals board in this scenario. So it's a no-brainer. We're not dropping out of 16 or 17. You take your guy in Jamar Chase, and you you thrive, and you move forward. There are some people out there. I'm going to shout out Vance Meek in particular who have Jalen Waddell ahead of Jamar Chase. And hey, you do you with your evaluations. I'm not here to say that anybody is wrong. But for me, Jamar Chase is the total package of wide receiver. And the connection with Joe Burrow is, let's just say it's strong. You know, look at what Justin Jefferson did. Uh, Not that this is a good argument, but look at what Justin Jefferson did in the NFL. He was the clear cut number two when Jamar Chase was uh, a year and a half younger than he will be, two years younger than he will be in his rookie season in the NFL. So let's go chase and see where we go for round two. Well, good thing 
that we were able to get Chase because the the wide receiver run went right then. Uh, Jalen Waddle goes off the board, as does Devontae Smith right after our pick, which uh, is good because we obviously feel really good about Chase. You know that. Uh, other notes from round one, uh, a couple big-name tackles went. Uh, maybe not the names that are, are offensive linemen that we were expecting. Alex Leatherwood went off the board. Creed Humphrey went off the board, Wyatt Davis, Sam Cosme. Uh, so those are some notable offensive linemen that went off the board. Uh, some edge players. Uh, any edges? So for, I mean, Carlos Basham went to the Ravens, and I know they need edge help, but that surprised me a bit. But there are going to be surprises in the draft, and there's no – it's an inexact science, right? We say that all the time about when evaluating these prospects. It also is one predicting what's going to happen. So I like that this has been a little unpredictable and a little different than we're used to because it puts us in position in in round two to do something the Bengals don't normally do, which is trade up because they have uh, we have our sight set on Elijah Vera Tucker who fell and he's available now. And uh, instead of waiting and sitting on our hands at pick 38, why don't we move up? We move up only two picks here, and and let's talk about Vera Tucker because in my mind, he's a mid-first-round prospect. I think there's absolutely no way he falls, but there's always somebody. There's always guys that you think, there's no way. There's no way he's falling. There's always players who get picked in the first round by teams like the Seattle Seahawks, and I talk about it all the time because the Seattle Seahawks always pick somebody I don't expect to go in the first round. There's always teams that pick guys in the first round that you expect to be day two picks. And so inevitably that pushes some players down the board. So in this case, all those offensive linemen we talked about that we have been seeing in round two and other simulators, every NFL team is going to have a different board. And while I think most of those boards are going to have Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round, solidly in the first round, there could be somebody here. Imagine that it's a guy like Christian Derrissaw somehow falling out of the first round. Again, I think it's unlikely. You're going to see it much more likely with guys like Christian Barmore. Or what if Rashad Bateman, even after posting on social media that he ran a sub 4-4-40, slips out of the first round? I mean, probably not a trade-up if you've already picked Chase, but a guy that, you know, some of these fringe players could fall out of the round. So we give up a six-round pick. Because that's roughly, it's actually a little bit too little. It probably should be a sixth or seventh, sixth and seventh or a fifth to move from pick, what, seven, pick six in the second round up to pick four in the second round. But we make the trade and Elijah Vera Tucker, he could be a tackle in the NFL. If he's not a tackle in the NFL, he's probably the best guard in this class. You got to feel great about this pick. I mean, it's one we talk about the Bengals being aggressive all the time. Imagine their offensive lineman being on the board, the guy they're targeting. And instead of them waiting and hoping, they move up. And if it's a fifth round pick, it's a fifth round pick. That's not that's nothing. If it's if it means protecting Joe Burrow and getting a, a future star guard or, you know, starting tackle in year one. And, and I think that's what he is. He, one way or the other, he's a, a starter on your offensive line as a rookie in an upgrade wherever he plays. So. This would be a home run. And this is what we talk about when, you know, the the idea of drafting a skill player in the first round, it doesn't mean that we're ignoring offensive line. And you really want to hammer that home, I think, because there are guys like this. There will be a lineman that falls. 
I think. I think it's pretty it, – it, maybe it's defensive lineman, not offensive lineman, that you're just shocked is there uh, in the second round. And we were, and that's why we uh, we moved up a couple spots. I think this is why. Vera Tucker had been a guard for USC for most of his career. He did kick out to tackle in 2020. He was very good. Not necessarily the most frequent thing where you have a guy who's played guard move out to tackle 6'4", 315. He did have a hard time with Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, who PFF thinks is a future first rounder. That was by far his worst game but this is a guy that I really haven't spent much time on, James, because I thought he was such a surefire thing in the first round. If he goes back into guard in the NFL, Redshirt Jr. coming out should be really good from day one. Strengths are just consistent football. And what are the Bengals looking for on that offensive interior? Consistent football. I think that would go a long way in fixing some of the issues with this offensive line. And if you get a guy that has some swing potential as well, you heard Brian Callahan talk about it. That just helps with your depth. The Bengals have always loved versatile linemen that can play multiple positions. And I think Vera Tucker gives you a little bit of that. My favorite thing about this pick, James, is it's another name for us to look at. And it's just another good reminder that there will be guys available you don't expect. And that's why if, if you're the kind of person who likes to go out there and watch a bunch of tape on these college players, you, you watch the guys that could be in the fringes and you pay attention to them because they might be available. And if you're the Bengals, you're certainly aware of a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker. Coming up next, rounds three and four. We're going four rounds today on Mock Draft Monday. We'll finish up coming up next. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. 18 amazing flavors, all covered in 100% chocolate. They're awesome. You need to check them out. We talk about them all the time here on Locked On Bengals, whether it's the caramel brownie, the cookies and cream, the cherry barcia, the mint brownie, the banana bread, peanut butter. doesn't matter which one you choose. They're all amazing. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Check them all out. And the best part about them, it isn't their amazing taste. It's the macros. You're working on that 2021 summer, Bob, like me, like Jake. Well, guess what? Built Bar can help you get there with protein-packed bites, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. Check them out at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON20. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We're in round three of our four-round mock draft here on this lovely mock draft Monday. And we're in a pickle, I think uh, it's safe to say. Uh Jake here as we enter round three. So we have Jamar Chase. We have Elijah Vera Tucker, who we traded up for. And now there's a couple high-end guys that stand out. Landon Dickerson, the center from Alabama. Levi Onzariki from Washington. Um, a, a couple other linemen. Aleem McNeil from North Carolina State. But really, it's not as obvious. And, and I think we've done this before. You know, the, the three rounds and in, in the third round, it's obvious. No one is jumping off the page at me right now and uh I, I think i lean dickerson overall because of his upside and i think if he fell here even though he's recovering from a, a serious knee injury there that acl i think that that's uh it's really good value but no one really jumps off the page at me i think that if landon dickerson is there in the third round you you just make the pick i think he if if he weren't hurt is a fringe first second guy 
And judging from everything we've heard about his character, he's going to be the kind of guy that comes back from the ACL and is totally fine. The, the other concern with Dickerson is he didn't really start dominating at the college level until he was older than all of his competition. So he, he has gotten better over the years, but he's got that thing that college players have sometimes where you have to really pay attention and see, is he, is he winning now because he's more developed or is he winning because he's developed, you know, skills? Is it, is it traits or is it skills that are why Landon Dickerson is winning more as an older guy in college than he did earlier in his career at Alabama. You also talked about Levi Onzariki. Somebody called me out on Twitter, James, because I can pronounce Onzariki, but I, I messed up Quiddy Pay's name for a while. I, I thought the <laughs> I thought the E had a pronunciation to it. I just want everyone to know I know how Quiddy Pay is pronounced now. I got that one. The other guy that you talked about, Ali McNeil, nose tackle from North Carolina State. There's a couple guys kind of in that mold here, but Ali McNeil, I think, has a little bit more juice to his game, a little bit more athleticism than a guy like Tyler Shelvin if you're looking at the interior defensive line. But the, the thing that stands out to me is we have officially whiffed on tackle in this draft. I think unless you go James Hudson here and you think James Hudson is a tackle in the NFL, we just missed on Walker Little, who went uh, round three, pick two. We just missed on Dylan Raddins, who went round two, pick 30. I think Raddins actually goes a lot earlier than that. Uh, Liam Eichenberg goes 225 to the Rams. So we just miss on the next tier of tackles. And maybe that's an argument at the top of round two, something to keep in mind in the future, that there's really not a tackle you love in round three unless you really love James Hudson. But even if you really love James Hudson, I think even his most stalwart advocates would say that he needs some time to develop in the NFL. So to me, there's not a tackle that I'm really looking at here. And that does make this a challenging pick. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer because that would be, you know, if there was a tackle that, you know, if Walker Little's there, it's pretty damn easy to make that decision. Right. And, and you, you just put it in and you go and, and you put that pick in. And unfortunately he's not Elijah Vera Tucker. Could be a tackle, might end up being a tackle, but he could also end up being, you know, a guard like we talked about. And so that's kind of the the scary part. And this this is why the draft and free agency are tied together. And we're going to spend so much time in free agency over the next few weeks because the draft could play out like this. By the way, I'm happy with both picks, ecstatic that you get Vera Tucker and Chase. But you need to address tackle and free agency so you don't feel pressured to reach because James Hudson certainly isn't the the best guy on the board right now. But if you need a tackle and you're feeling that pressure with your, your third round pick in the third round, and you haven't addressed it necessarily in the first couple, couple rounds of the draft, then you're, you might reach and we don't want to reach here. I don't want to take him here and I'm a bear cat, right? There are a bunch of guys I, I, I think are ahead of him. So I think that's part of it. So I, I don't know where you're leaning with this. I think Eileen Dickerson, I think that's the way to go. And, and now suddenly the interior of that line is completely revamped. And yeah, maybe we don't address the tackle or we haven't addressed it yet. Maybe we do in round four. But uh, th this is a way to uh, to continue to move that offensive line forward. I'm trying to find somebody that's a little bit different because at this point in the mock draft process, you, you end up with a lot of the same guys getting picked in the user-controlled mock draft. You're seeing a lot of Levi Onzariki when he falls. You see a lot of Landon Dickerson when he falls, a lot of Marvin Wilson 
the interior defensive lineman from Florida State, who's still on the board in this draft when he falls. Some guys at positions that I'm not really looking at, Chaz Surratt from North Carolina. I know you said linebacker Twitter is going to be a thing. That's a linebacker in the third round that I might start to consider from, from North Carolina, but probably not enough to move me off of a more valuable position. I don't know. It's really hard. I'm fine with picking Landon Dickerson here. I think Landon Dickerson is probably a round two guy. I would also be fine with Levi Onzariki, but I think we've just picked him too much. I think we've also probably picked Landon Dickerson too much. Uh, The fact that we're just talking about those two guys probably means we're too comfortable with those two guys. But they're both guys that could fall into the top of round three. I've said a few times, I think, that Levi Onzariki, I could see his range actually being late round one to round three. I think he's got a really wide range in the draft depending on how teams see him. So this isn't that far-fetched a scenario, but I'm totally cool with going Landon Dickerson here. And then as we start day three of this draft, which we haven't done yet on Mock Draft Monday, I'm probably looking real hard for some help in the secondary or on that defensive line. It'd be natural to go defense here, right? Uh, You know, three straight picks on offense. You take the wide receiver, two interior offensive linemen. But we still haven't addressed tackle, so I, I think that that's uh, one spot you, you always have to look at. Uh, James Hudson's still on the board, by the way, so I, I think that that part certainly interesting. But they they do got to look at defense, and you know you could go in a, a multitude of ways here: right edge, uh, interior of the defensive line, cornerback. Certainly, uh, you, you could see them taking a corner in round four. Uh, a couple guys worth noting. Unfortunately, Levi Onzariki, long gone. <laughs> so we can't take him in another mock, Jake. But Trill Williams, a guy we haven't really talked about on this podcast, the corner from Syracuse, uh, most known for a suplex in 2018 that, if you haven't seen, was uh, was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, he, he's a guy you could see them taking here. Uh, I think the, the kid from Oregon, Lenore, and I'm going to mess up his first name, so I'm not even going to do it. Uh, Lenore's another guy out of Oregon that you could look at at corner. But to me, I, I would assume they're going to be looking for edge by round four. And if so, Jordan Smith out of UAB, Cam Sample out of Tulane. Uh, those are two guys that you could certainly look at at this stage of the draft starting day three. And again, I go back to Hudson's still there. So how do they view him? Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Because if he's a tackle and they have a pretty high grade on him, well, you haven't addressed tackle yet. And even if you sign a tackle in free agency, getting a developmental type guy in round four that you, you feel like could end up being a starter down the line is pretty important. So there, uh, there's certainly a dilemma and a multitude of ways we could go with this pick. Yeah, there's a couple of developmental tackle prospects here. Deontay Smith from East Carolina, if he's there in the fourth round, very reasonable to go that route. James Hudson in the fourth round, more than reasonable, especially after he had a pretty good time. At the Senior Bowl, looking at the defensive line, Dio Odeyingbo from Vanderbilt, pretty attractive defensive lineman, inside-outside versatility. And, wow, my guy, Tommy Togai, Ohio State, and people that listen know that I'm, I'm not an Ohio State truther, still available on this board. But the name that really stands out to me here, James, is, is honestly Cam Sample. He was excellent at the Senior Bowl, great productivity at Tulane really attractive to me at this part of the draft. Really a lot of different directions you could go because there's a lot of names at this point that are very reasonable in the fourth round. His teammate from Tulane, Patrick Johnson, Jordan Smith from UAB. 
We talked about some of the corners. Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota is another one that I think at this point is a very reasonable direction to go. So for the Bengals, they just have to pick. Do we go offensive line here and say four straight picks of offense? Or do we at least get something for Lou Anarumo? Something for that pass rush? Something in that secondary where William Jackson might not be back? And and I honestly feel like we are almost forced to go defense here, even though we haven't addressed tackle. I think so too. And I think it, because I think it's realistic, anybody can just mock all offense. And while I would love to take a tackle here and while I might do that, uh, in, you know, if, if we're GM of the Bengals, uh, I, I think that this is from a realistic standpoint, they're going to try to get an edge or they're going to try to get, a cornerback in the first four rounds. I just think it's going to happen. It doesn't really matter what happens with William Jackson. They're going to do it um, in, in my eyes. doesn't really matter what happens with Carl Austin. They know that they need to add edge regardless. So to me, if you say Cam Sample, I get it. If you say Trill, I get it too. And I hope he brings the suplex to the AFC North. And even a guy like Tommy Togai, he adds to your defense uh, in the defensive line. So I think those are the probably the three guys that stand out the most. And I'm really resisting picking Tommy Togai here because I think he just won't be available in the fourth round. But I went over to grindingthemocks.shinyapps.io slash dashboard. Benjamin Robinson, giving him a shout out, does this great work of compiling all the mocks and coming up with the expected draft position for all these players. And Tommy Togai, his expected draft position according to 44 mock drafts, James, is apparently 111.8. We're currently on the clock with pick 111. That tells me that I can fairly pick Tommy Togai here and not feel bad about it. One of my, I mean, I think he's a surefire surefire day two defensive lineman, motor for days, makes the most of his tools, loved by his teammates at Ohio State. I just think that there's a lot to like about Tommy Togai. I think he's going to be a solid player in the league. And if you're telling me it's fair for me to take him here, I'm going to take him here over some of those other guys we talked about. But all those names we talked about, you guys have probably been wondering because we haven't gotten to this point in the draft before. Who are some of the guys that we should be looking at on day three? Well, there's a there's a teaser. There's some names for you before we get into free agency. If you're one of those guys or girls who likes to go watch these college players before they come into the NFL, there's something for you to look at. So to summarize this whiff on OT edition of Mock Draft Monday, (laughs) we get our guy Jamar Chase in the first round. We get a faller in Elijah Vera Tucker in the second round. Another faller, really the rest of our draft is fallers. Landon Dickerson in the third round coming off that ACL and Tommy Togai, interior defensive lineman from Ohio State in round four. And how about the schools represented in this draft, James? LSU, USC, Alabama, Ohio State. Love it. Love it. You're going after the the blue bloods there, and you're really boosting the interior. We're worried about the inside of things, man. Clearly. Not worried about the edges, except for Chase. <laughs> right? But, uh, no, I heck, if they could do this, this would be a home run to me. I get you don't, uh, you, you don't address tackle, but if you have Landon Dickerson and Elijah Vera Tucker – plus whatever else they do on the offensive line this offseason. That's two huge, huge upgrades. And we've talked all offseason, and really for the past six months, seven months, about how bad the Bengals' guard play was in 2020. 
So I'm, I'm glad to see that we were able to upgrade that for sure. Could be a big step up, at least as a big step up in terms of the foundation on that offense. You, you should feel good. And the Bengals and, and we could be whiffing on these evals, but you should feel good about an offensive line that is anchored by Jonah Williams, assuming that he can get healthy in the NFL, Elijah Vera Tucker and Landon Dickerson. That's a solid three. And if they bring somebody in in free agency to go with those guys later in 2021, when these rookies aren't really rookies anymore and in 2022 and beyond, you've got a really solid core on that offensive line. Obviously, Jamar Chase, we've talked about him to death. Love him at wide receiver. And Tommy Togai immediately steps in. And I think he is a solid rotational piece for the defensive interior. So I would really like this draft. Obviously, its 2021 impact is going to be heavily determined by what they do in free agency. And we traded up. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever traded up in one of these before in all of my time doing these on, on Lockdown Bengals. So something new. Trading up is fun. Hopefully we see the Bengals do it with their eight draft picks and, and secure some of these high end guys. I mean, they have what? Two first round talents. Dickerson's probably at least a second round talent. And Togai, you think, is a day two guy as well. So uh, I think we did pretty good value wise. I love value and I love fun. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, you're going to hear from USA Today sports editor Doug Farrar, who's dug into some Bengals tape, has some thoughts about Lou Anarumo's scheme, especially around William Jackson specifically. Later on in the week, you'll hear from Seth Tanner, the Cincinnati Bengals director of content, who once wrote that there's nothing more satisfying than fireworks showering overhead as a couple of F-15s buzz a stadium filled with cheering fans. That's a perhaps a, a teaser of things to come at Paul Brown Stadium. We'll try to pry some of those secrets out of the improved game day experience from Seth when we talk to him later this week. Until then, Bengals fans, who day? And have a good one.